Hey guys, it's Kelly here from the Domestic Game Podcast. And before we start today's episode, I just wanted to make a few announcements. So the first of which is that we have recently launched our Buy Me A Coffee uh, account for the domestic games. So if you are enjoying the content that we are creating, um, either through these episodes or our social content or whatever it is, and you want to say thanks or do something in some small way, then we would really appreciate the price of a coffee because we're managing a, a fairly significant time difference at the minute and caffeine is our friend. So that would be greatly appreciated. If you're interested in that, by the way, the information is available on our website or through the links on our social media accounts. Um, however, if you're enjoying content and you don't really want to get us a coffee for your own reasons or, you know, whatever they be, that is no problem either. The main thing for us is that you are always enjoying our content. Um, that's what we strive for. So don't worry, we're always going to try and deliver that tea. So the second part of the announcement then is that we might have to start breaking our episodes into episode one and episode two. That just gives us a bit more space on our website. Yeah. So if you are listening to this episode and you see part one, don't panic. Um, just listen to it and then move straight on into part two. It'll all be there. And uh, yeah, that's it from me. So without further ado, We'll start the episode. The views and opinions expressed as part of this podcast in no way represent those held by American Football Ireland. As always, guys, this is just a bit of crack. So please, no giving out. I'm ready to go, boys. Let's go. Hello and welcome to the Domestic Game Podcast, where we bring you some exciting stories of all things American football here in Ireland. We're your hosts, not Rob Caldwell, and I'm Robbie Caldwell. Let's get started. Hey guys, how are you and what is the crack? Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Domestic Game Podcast and you're most welcome. This episode is a special episode where we are taking the opportunity to give some love to our athletes and our coaches that are performing across uh, Europe and the UK on the international scene and really flying that flag and doing us proud out there on that international level. So before we jump into the interviews today, I wanted to give you a little bit of context of why we felt now after a year plus change was the right time to create this episode. And it's very simply but excitingly because two of our own are going to meet at opposite sides of a pitch in a bowl game in the Netherlands. If you can believe that, what a small world and how proud should we be of our AFI players and coaches. So the two that I'm talking about are namely DB Michael Sykes, who's one of the top DBs in AFI for many a year, previously with UCD and currently with the Irish Wolfhounds. So he's currently playing with the Rotterdam 010 Trojans who are meeting the Amsterdam Crusaders on the 3rd of July, which is this Sunday, by the way, in the Tulip Bowl, which is the national championship over there in the Netherlands. Who is at the other side 
of the pitch on the Amsterdam Crusaders sideline, only offensive coordinator Andy Dennehy. So Andy Dennehy was previously with the Dublin Rebels, won nine bowls, but who's counting at that stage? And then he went on to be the head coach of UCD. He's still currently actually with UCD, which I didn't realize until we got to the interview. And he is the offensive coordinator for the Wolfhounds. So the two of them are meeting, as we said, 3rd of July, this coming Sunday. The game will be live streamed. The link is in the description for this episode. And we just felt, oh my God, what a small world and how great are our athletes doing. And let's frame an episode around this event. And so with that in mind, we started to do a bit of research and we got on to as many of our international athletes as we could. There was a number of them that unfortunately the timing didn't work out, but we were fortunate enough to catch up with QB Matty O'Meara and DB Alex Kosmerich. Both of them have played club in AFI and both of them are also on the Irish Wolfhounds. So without giving too much more away about our interviews, I'll cut straight to the first one between myself and Matty. Today I am chatting with a young player whose name has been mentioned on the podcast a number of times and rightly so because he is flying the flag for AFI in the GFL1 in Germany. That name is Mario Mera. He is 22 years of age. He started out in AFI as quarterback for the Kildara Crusaders. He's also played for the South Dublin Panthers. He was on the Irish under-20s team who played against the AFW American Select team in 2018. He was due to start against the Bristol Pride team before that game was unfortunately cancelled. He's also on the senior Wolfhounds team. He has international playing experience in Spain and is currently quarterback for the Ravenberg Razorbacks in the GFL 1 in Germany. So, Matty, thank you so much for taking the time to chat to me today and you're very welcome to the Domestic Game podcast. Well, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, how, how are you getting on? How's it all going over there? Uh, I mean, uh, I mean, it's fun. Uh, I'll put it that way. Plenty of football. I mean, I can't complain. The more football, the better. So um, it's it's definitely a lot. I'm learning a whole heap. So it's uh, exciting times. I can imagine. So if we start at the very beginning. You know, what was it that originally inspired you to play football, or what was it originally that introduced you to football on your on your football story? When I started out, it was just my friends. I didn't really even like football. Um, so my, my friends started watching football and all, and I was just around it. I didn't really understand it at all. I was just like, this is this is not for me. I'll just leave it so. Uh, but I've always sort of been more of a, I like to prefer to play sports than I do to watch them. So I think that could have been an aspect to it. But uh, so I played cricket my whole life. Um, so at my cricket club, there was the what was formerly the North Kildare Reapers in cricket and all. Me and my buddy, uh, after after training, we'd see the American football team like just at one of the back pitches. So we'd all, we'd we'd give it a few ganders, and one day we decided to sort of just float down and see what what happens. And um, we ended up training with them a few times, and I guess that kickstarted it all. I was wondering when you started talking about cricket how are we getting to the American football here but there, there you go being visible has it has its perks and I'd say it was some change from cricket to, to American football but look it's it's um after working out very well for you now you're in um, Ravenberg there which is in the top level in Germany you recently started your first game for them which is amazing we're delighted to hear it still remaining kind of with the your origin story as it were you know what was it that made you want to go international 
as a player, a young player who's doing very well at home in that you were kind of secured your starting spot with the the under 20s ahead of that Bristol Pride game and then for the Wolfhounds and then starting to break onto that uh, senior team for the Wolfhounds as well. Why the the decision to go international? Um, I don't know if it was even really a, a decision to go international. It was just kind of an interest in it. So there's a, a website called Europlayers. So I made I made an account on it and I had it was the, the the highlights I had were were not great. They were a bit shocking, but um, <laughs> it was about a minute worked. long of a, of a of a scrimmage against the Bulldogs. I think it was when I was playing for the Panthers at the time, and so I just had that up on my profile and just uh, uh, as college was starting starting up and COVID came around, so college was all online, and um, out of the out of the blue, sort of this team in Spain hit me up. They were like, um. Do you want to play for us by any chance? So I was like, I, I just emailed my college. Is there any chance I could do college while I'm in Spain? They were like, Yeah, it's no problem with us. So I was like, Ah, I may as well head over. I have nothing to lose. So I ended up just going over and seeing what it was like. Oh wow! And that was in Spain. This is before, obviously before you came to Germany. Yeah, that was for the the stings in Spain. So that'd probably be the first time I was even starting because I mean, when I was playing for the Crusaders. As always, kind of a backup. So then, to go to another country and then be starting, it was definitely a, a big change. Anyway, I can imagine, yeah. And it's it's brilliant, and that kind of naturally enough leads me to the next question, which is, you know, how has the international experience benefited you as a player, or even personally, what has been the biggest development or benefit that you feel you've gotten from from pursuing these opportunities? Yeah, I mean, as a as a player, for sure, just I've definitely just been around the game a lot more and just playing a whole lot more. You get better. So, I mean, in Spain and Germany, you're training two, three times a week most of the time, and just being out there throwing a ball and just getting used to it, getting used to everything. Uh, you just you're just gonna naturally get better if you're playing a lot more, and especially here with the coaches they have, it's just a, a different different level altogether. Um, and then I guess personally, you just make a lot of friends, you make a lot of contacts, you get to know a lot of people, different cultures. It's just really interesting living in different places and just getting to know people. So, I mean, it has, it has a benefit uh, in every way, I guess. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and it's a, a fantastic kind of journey to be coming from, you know, a young player that is with the Kildara Crusaders and, you know, trying to take that starting QB spot, which in fairness, Jordan is is doing very well in that and has that kind of, you know, tidied up for himself um, to go right to GFL one in Germany and to get a, a starting a starting position there on a team there it's it really is Maddie for a 22 year old as well it's absolutely phenomenal and so I'm wondering what is the difference then in yourself how do you have to prepare for something that is at that level of international play so what I'm specifically talking about is what type of maybe game day ritual or what preparation do you do ahead of a game, maybe the week before or the day before, um, to get yourself to that kind of place that you can perform on game day? Yeah, um, preparation-wise, especially for the the game that I was starting, was a little bit different than most game weeks, just because 
well, the team knew as a whole that we had a, our, like our backup quarterback in. So instead of, we usually have Monday and Tuesday, we usually have like 6 a.m. lifts in the gym. So instead we were doing, we had Monday and Tuesday were 6 a.m. film sessions. So we were pretty hefty on the film. So just learning and just knowing what to look at on the defense and just, again, by myself, I guess, rather than with the team, I was just learning the playbook, making sure operation-wise I wasn't making any mistakes because it'd be my first time, I guess, properly being in, in the system for for a whole game. So it's it's pretty different. And the, and the, yeah. once the nerves start kicking in, it's going to be a bit a bit different. So uh, ritual-wise, I don't really do much actually on a game day. I just make sure before the game, like the day before the game, I'll have a pretty heavy meal like in terms of like carbs and stuff. I'll have like pasta and, and chicken. And then I'll have the same meal on game day. I like to be pretty... Some guys like to be light when they play. I just like to be not hungry. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, gosh, but, gosh. Uh, yeah. So before the game, I don't know. I just sort of zone out, listen to music, sort of uh, off by myself, sort of get into like the right mental space. And then once we go to warm up and play the game, I'm pretty, I'm pretty all good to go, I guess. When you do your warm up, or what, what point in that game that you started, did you feel like you were in the game? The nerves were gone. You know, you were just playing as a QB in almost like any game you know at what what stage do you feel like you got into that zone on this game it was for sure the uh, we had a two minute drive at the end of the first half and I think for the whole first half I was very much just the nerves were at me and I just wasn't able to think straight I was just very like I don't know what was going on of course, of course. but then when, once you got to the two minute drill it was like you have to be fast you can't really be thinking too much you just got to see what's on the pitch and just let it happen let it rip so once that happened we I mean we moved the ball pretty nicely the whole game but once that happened um yeah after that the ball being moved wasn't a problem but we were just too far behind I guess we couldn't come back so it wasn't ideal but it is what it is yeah it it doesn't that almost doesn't matter it's once you have that click moment it's always it's always there for you when you can see oh this is what we can do this is the potential you know what I mean and you lose those those nerves that's a huge personal win you know after that as a developing player every all the good things will come with time so speaking of you know kind of the the long term and the good things will come what are your football career goals you know and they can be long term they can be short term you know what what is it that you want to achieve in your time with football i'll be honest i'm not not entirely sure but uh, <laughs> i guess the whole how i've gotten to this stage anyway is just from trying to be the best footballer player I can be. So um, I guess I'm just going to keep on doing that, trying to be as good as I can be, and then just see where it brings me, where it takes me, and uh, what happens on the road. Yeah, great, great. And the you mentioned that Euro players, which was how you got scouted for that Spanish team. Is that what you did for Germany as well? Is that kind of your main go-to for recruitment? Or how did you get recruited into this, this German team? And I'm asking this because in AFI this year, we have some phenomenal new players, some phenomenal young players, and definitely players that could, you know, easily be thinking about an international uh, career in football and so uh, I think that it'd be really good information for them to hear. The one thing I'd say especially for young players because loads of teams in Europe are looking for young players that they can sort of have on their team and they can develop themselves is just to get to get tape because I mean 
that's that's just the biggest thing people people they're not going to commit to you if they can't they don't know what you can do but um so yeah again again it was on euro players i just i guess updated my profile with my clips from spain so i had a lot more i got lucky in the sense that the team that i played for actually had pretty decent setup when it comes to filming so we had some decent clips and um yeah i just updated my my profile and i got a few offers and then I was like, this is a pretty decent shout, so I'll go for this. <laughs> this exactly, yeah, exactly. Very decent shout, as you yeah. said yourself. If you're following AFI at all from there, but, you know, my final kind of leaving uh, leaving question is going to be for you to predict who is going to win the Shamrock Bowl this year. Okay, well, apart from the Crusaders getting promoted, is it? Is it? Um, so I'll have to go for I mean, I think I've been keeping up bits, bits and pieces here. Like, it's it's... It's tough to follow just purely off of the. You can't actually watch the games. I've been, uh, I've been, I've been struggling with that one. I've been trying to find links or clips or something. But um, yeah, I have to back the UCD boys, even though they they did lose last weekend or whatever it was. But I have to keep keep going with them. Yeah, it was a pretty a pretty close loss for them there. And, uh, you know, they, like that, we said it on the most recent episode that they'll actually, even though they lost, they'll have inspired an awful lot of confidence in what they can do as well. So, uh, yeah, best of luck to them. And um, we have you down now on tape saying that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, best of luck to yourself now, Maddie. When is your next game? Um. So... I think I'm starting this game as well, but it's it's gonna be a rough it's gonna be a rough game. Uh, it's it's next weekend, so it's next Saturday. Yeah, and this is against the the unicorns. I was yeah. chatting with uh, Finn Kearns, who was a player with the UL Vikings, and he's also on the Wolfhounds team. And the two of you are over there in Ravensburg together, and you're coming up against this this unicorns team, which is I think they're the the best team at the moment over there, aren't they kind of considered that that level? I think, uh, yeah, they've kind of been one of the best teams in Europe over the last 10 years. So I think they've lost one regular season game in the last six years. So it's, yeah. uh, they're decent enough. Well, they've never heard of Matty O'Mara yet. So they might, <laughs> they might know your name by the end of the game. So <laughs> uh, here's hoping. Here is hoping. No, very best of luck. You never know. You get that upset and we'll all be rooting for you and, and following here at home. So, um, yeah, very best of luck in that upcoming game. Very best of luck uh, in the remainder of your season. Oh, well, thanks very much. Thanks very much. So yeah, big thanks to Matty for taking the time to chat to me and the very best of luck to himself and Finn in that upcoming fixture against the Unicorns. If we can get a link to it for a live stream, we will post it in the description for this episode. So keep a little eye out for that. Uh, and on to the next uh, interview, which is between Joe and Alex Kosmerik. So Joe and Alex actually played together on the Irish Wolfhounds in the, the under-20s. So again, without further ado, I'll pass you over to Joe and he'll take it from there. Uh, so uh, I have talking to me right now. Uh, I'm going to try this and I'm going to try to get all out in one go and we'll see how badly we do. So we're going to go former Trojan former UCD, former Kiel Baltic Hurricane, former Tamworth uh, Tamworth Phoenix player, and current Edinburgh Wolf, Alex Kuzmerich. How are we doing, Alex? 
I'm doing all right, thanks. Doing all right. So I guess the kind of theme of this episode is we're going to go through, see how you get started in football, how you got on over here and how you uh, basically ventured abroad then with your with your footballing career. So obviously I said former Trojan, you started out with with, uh, with Belfast. Um, just tell me what um, what kind of got you into football when you were younger and how did you kind of make your way up the ranks there in uh, with the Trojans? I really started liking football around like 13, 14. I had a mate at school who was from the States and uh, he got me into like playing Madden and stuff. And I really liked uh, like the numbers and stats side of it. So yeah, it was, I always found that quite interesting. So that was, I started with that as a teenager. So I think I understood the game from that. And then uh, it was my second year of university. So I was, what, 19. I decided I was going to give it a go because I'd been playing rugby uh, and I mostly just liked uh, tackling, really, and not much of anything else. And I'd gone down to see the Trojans play. And, yeah, it, was, it, it looked fun. It looked good. Uh, I think it was, it was, they had quite a big win against the team as well. I mean, this, was, this would have been 2016, so that was like golden era Trojans as well. So always yeah. a, a fun thing to watch. Uh, and yeah, so I, I joined up. I'd actually wanted to join a year earlier, but um, right at the time they had rookie things, I'd managed to uh, take a bit of a bump to the head playing rugby. So I, I delayed by a year. And so then, yeah, when I was 19, I started uh, started playing with them. Right. And obviously then you came up, made an impression because uh, obviously you were a big kind of key factor in those last few years before COVID with the um, the Trojans. Obviously your, your performances there got you on to the, um, uh, got you a few looks on the under 20s uh, Irish Wolfhounds team. And obviously then through the senior football as well. So um just uh, tell me what what was your experience playing under the uh, Irish Wolfhounds banner? Um, well, it was definitely interesting because with with under twenties, uh, I, I played as like a, a three four outside backer, and then uh, whereas I played like my rookie year at Trojans, I was sort of a just like utility DB, and then I, I moved to linebacker, so that was fine, and then. Um, when I got called up to senior Wolfhounds, I was originally supposed to play strong safety and an, uh, an injury to a free safety player uh, got asked, meant I got asked the question, oh, oh, you know, can you play free safety? And I said, yes, which was wishful thinking because I hadn't actually played like as a single high free safety yeah. before, but it went all right. Um, it was a bit of a double-edged sword because it, it went so all right that I then had to play my next club season of free safety and that was not fun. That was quite boring. Um, so yeah, uh, so it's it's a bit interesting because with Ireland, I mean, I, I played in the two games then against Belgium, uh, and they were really really tight, really really enjoyable games and a great experience. But uh, yeah, it's it's always uh, Wolfhounds always feels like uh, a bit of a different football experience because I play such a vastly different position to what I uh, play the majority of the time. Yeah, and I guess based on your answer there, you, you're. Uh... Uh, you prefer definitely the the strong safety element more than the the single high. Yeah, that'd be your uh, your kind of uh, your preferred role there. Yeah. So from that, then obviously the film you put on the last few years um, with the Trojans and on uh, the Wolfhounds team, obviously both those defenses are have uh, very seldom given up points, and it's uh, 
Uh, no, co- no coincidence that you're on that defense, on both of those defenses. So obviously that got you um, a bit of recognition and, and you eventually were able to go and uh, take your talents abroad. So just tell me, like, what was it that made you want to go abroad and, and play football? Because uh, you went to the Kiel Baltic Hur- Hurricanes. Yeah, I think pretty much I just, I really wanted to try and and play at like the, the highest level possible because I'd, um, I'd done a placement year when I was at university and I'd done that over in England. And that's when I, play, I played for Tamworth Phoenix and they were a very, very professional setup, very, very driven. Uh, it was uh, it was crazy because it was like, it wasn't a case of, you know, you had like starters and backups and there was this sort of like, degradation as you went through a depth chart it was like oh you know third string safety here would have been like the mvp of a did one team the year before and it was like this midland super team and like if you missed training regardless it was like okay well uh you know you, the, the depth chart gets cycled but then even when it came to game day it was like oh uh, like rotation is is just normal so that you know even if you're a starter you get as much time as like second string because it's always rotating uh, which was a really interesting experience, and I felt like that that helped me get a lot better as a football player, especially just because, like, as, since I'm like very athletically limited, for me it's a lot more about like how I play the game rather than what I do, because uh, yeah. I'm not like you know I can't really get away with being big or strong or fast because I'm none of those things. So I I try and just play as clued in as possible. So getting that development, I was like, well, I really want to do that again. So for me, it was more a case of I want to play. I wanted to go to like the highest possible level for a development type thing. And then, yeah, it was through uh, Dara Farrell, who is the uh, defensive backs coach for the Wolfhounds. So he had some connections as well. He sort of encouraged me that I should go to Germany. And so especially considering it was like post-pandemic and I'd been trying to keep my training up over the pandemic. Or well, not post-pandemic, it was during the pandemic because it was last year. Uh, so yeah, I just really wanted to give a go at that, and I mean, it was because of the pandemic and because of like um, university stuff and like Brexit stuff, it was very rocky. And then I actually had to like come home halfway through the season because uh, the the university told me that if I like didn't start my internship immediately, essentially, that I would fail my course. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess that forces my hand. Um, because it was like a postgrad master, but, you know, I paid my own way through it, and I was like, "Well, shit." So that was a bit of a shame. I only really got a taste of that level, but it still, you know, it it did what I wanted from it in that I got to develop and I got to see that higher level. And I mean, some of the the players I had to go against, like I could be twice the player, and they still would have beaten me just as bad. <laughs> like yeah. it was. Uh, it was a ridiculously high level, um, but you know, I got the development out of that, and it's still something I'm trying to take forward and ideally try again pretty soon. Yeah, and, and I suppose it's something that maybe a lot of players here don't 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 recognize is that the level of coaching in Germany, because you've got these a lot of teams there, a lot of players, especially maybe in the um, in the top division in Germany, um, can be semi-pro and and obviously you're seeing the european league of football now and teams want to get up to that level so um it must be really interesting being around a, a load of players who want to you know like yourself they want to push themselves to the best uh, level of football they possibly can 
again, like like you say, you say you only got a bit of a taste of it, but if that bit of a taste helps you become a better better footballer, then you're, I'd imagine you you uh, uh, you don't regret taking the the chance to be going over there. No, absolutely not. I mean, despite all the stuff, you know, despite the disappointment of having to finish it the way I did, like, you know, there's always a silver lining, and it was a great experience. And there are a great bunch of guys as well. Like, I made a lot of mates over there. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't certainly don't regret. It. I'm glad I've got a taste. Like I said, I would I would now like to try it again without having COVID and all that sort of stuff and getting getting swabs poked up my nose three times. Uh, a college course trying to force your hands to coming back <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was definitely that it was unfortunate it was like this pin drop moment where it was like oh no because i'd sort of been like chancing things since the start of the pandemic and everything had been going my way and that was mm. about the point where the house of cards fell for me and i was like oh no <laughs> yeah uh, whoops and um i get obviously you said um coach dara farrell uh helped you kind of get to the hurricanes and kind of get connections in europe would there be any advice maybe for uh, other Irish players here, maybe listening today or whenever they're listening as to, you know, maybe how they can access their, you know, any opportunity they can get to, to playing abroad? Well, yeah. So it was interesting because when I first, when I first sort of went through the process, I was like, this is only happening because I've got like an in, but then when there was like hiccups with funding and that sort of stuff, and then it looked like I wasn't going to be able to go to Keel and I started to like, cast the net out myself uh, it turns out that the inn whilst very helpful it was what was supporting it and what was that was having like some clean film uh, a euro players account is like essential you must have that uh, and just reaching out to teams and saying you know this is this is me this is what i want to do this is what i want to get out of the experience um, and i even did that quite late in the process because i think uh, that was like april or may sort of like in pre-season I was doing that and teams were still you know looking at tape and going oh here I, you know yes you could absolutely be an option and then once once it was clear I could still go to Kiel I chose that because that was like the highest level that I'd been asking at yeah. um but like yeah having a European thing having like clear film having a good understanding of of like basic football because that's what sets people apart like at that level it was not like oh these guys are doing anything crazy it's just they were so good at the basics and they were very very sharp so having that having your measurables essentially take a look at like what the nfl combine is make sure you have measurables for that uh, and just if you you know present quite a professional put together front through euro players and through your communication with teams uh, i think they'll be really uh really really excited to have you and I think the best advice I got was um, from Finn Cairns, who obviously is like essentially Ireland's top import. He he was like just like wing it the first time. The, the most important one is just taking the leap at the start uh, and then you won't regret it. So, yeah, and that advice, I would say, is, is still very accurate. Yeah, so there you go. Just again, you brought up a great point, I think, as well of getting clear film. Like, a, a lot, I feel like a lot of players in Ireland, a lot of teams in Ireland, still don't um, still don't properly use game tape. I think yeah. you you kind of, again you bringing it up. Just it's so important. Not only just not only if you're looking to get abroad with football or whatever and send off the teams, but just to have a look back at yourself. Yeah, and, you know, judge your own performance and stuff like that. I think it's uh, an often uh, an often forgotten tool. 
that uh, teams and players can use here in Ireland. So, if, again, any players or coaches listening up, you know, cameras aren't that expensive. There, there's a there's a load of them out there. They're all pretty decent uh, quality. I would say as well, regardless about like what teams are doing, if if you are someone who really wants to do it, get your mom, get your brother, your sister, a mate, whatever, to just go and just film you on a day, like on a game day getting down and film you just moving in practice etc because like the the coaches that you're sending it to will be able to really dive into that like whenever i spoke to coaches and they discussed my film even though it was pretty much like here are plays of me doing stuff you know they they right away i didn't have to tell them like oh i did this or i did that they'd be like oh we can see you playing like linebacker we can see in the nickel you're doing single high you're doing like match concepts and i was like well i just put together a bunch of videos of me tackling people and trying to get picks and stuff but you know they will look into it so uh, i would say even if you do have game film from your team if you have someone who can go there and like just focus on you and get good quality footage of just you then piece that together and it'll really help like flesh out uh, any sort of highlight stuff just before uh, we head off here in the british american football association just wanted to quickly touch up on your season. So obviously, you have four games left in the regular season. Is that correct? Yeah. And you're just outside the playoff spots. I think you're yourself, your former team, uh, Tamworth Phoenix, uh, Manchester, who I believe you beat earlier in the season. Is that right? Uh, no, we're going to play them tomorrow for the first time. So. Oh. Oh well, there. I mean, well, by the time we've, uh, by the time uh, this episode gets put out, you'll have beaten them. So. Um, yeah. That, that's exactly yeah and um, that no. you're not just like a, a rotation piece there either you seem to be getting all over the place on the field and, and making some plays obviously um you have two interceptions on the year um mm-hmm. playing a strong safety and uh you're you're pretty high up on edinburgh's tackle list as well you're obviously making an impact out there um how do you how are your coaches responding to um, your play so far this year I mean, I think they're happy enough. I was very lucky to be named a captain for our last game. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think I bring a a very specific play style that they both like and loathe sometimes. Playing down at strong safety, it's it's fun to be as physical as as humanly possible. I'm just trying to set that for the team because we we have some, I mean, our coaches are excellent. Uh, The new head coach, I, I love what he's been doing. It's been like, an excellent culture change for the team. I had a brief look at the Wolves before uh, the pandemic. Uh, and, you know, there, there was a lot of talent that was just trying to get things to fit together. And so, yeah, the new coaching staff, they're doing a really, really good job with that. So, yeah, and they, you know, they seem happy enough with me. I still get to, still get to play my position. I still get to do all the fun stuff. So, uh, yeah. See, right. we'll see how they feel after this next uh, slate of difficult games. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And fingers crossed, I'm sure we'll all be rooting for you over here to uh, getting into the playoffs and, and competing for like a national championship trophy. Speaking of national tra- championship trophies, you're no stranger to them, uh, being from the Trojans. You've been keeping an eye on the AFI season. Who do you uh, who are you favouring? Who are you calling for the for the Shamrock Bowl? UCD. Calling UCD. Yeah. You don't need um, to record another version of that. I'll stick by UCD. Fair enough. Well, there we go, guys. UCD for the for the Shamrock Bowl. Upsetting, or well, I suppose getting their revenge back on the Rebels, perhaps, uh, in the playoffs in the Shamrock Bowl. 
Uh, guys, that was Alex Kozmark. You heard the intro. He's played for pretty much every great team in Ireland you've heard of. Uh, he's played for both under-20s and seniors uh, Irish, Irish Wolfhounds teams. He's played abroad. He's playing in the UK right now. He's maybe probably one of the best players I've played with, being on the under-20s team. And listen, I, I can't wait to speak to you again. Hopefully meet you on the field soon enough if you're, if you're ever back here in Ireland playing ball. Thank you, Joe, and thank you, Alex. And Alex, very best of luck to you for the remainder of your season. Hopefully you make those playoffs and we will be certainly supporting you from afar, no doubt about it. So now into the final interview of this episode, and that is the interview with Andy Dennehy and Michael Sykes. So starting with Andy, Andy is the offensive coordinator for the Amsterdam Crusaders. He's offensive coordinator for the Irish Wolfhounds. He is also currently doing a coaching role with UCD. He was previously head coach of UCD in 2019. Before that, he was with the Dublin Rebels and won nine Shamrock Bowls with them as a player coach and their starting QB. Andy was the starting QB for the first win of the Irish Wolfhounds over the Belgian Barbarians and he threw for two touchdowns in the game. So Andy is offensive coordinator for the Amsterdam Crusaders. They will be meeting the 0-1-0 Trojans from Rotterdam in the Tulip Bowl this Sunday and in order to win this game who will his offense have to overcome? Only DB Michael Sykes from UCD and the Irish Wolfhounds. So Michael Sykes is one of our top DBs from AFI, well known across the league. He is also playing with the Irish Wolfhounds. He was part of the squad for both of the Irish games against the Belgian Barbarians. Michael and Andy have met at opposite sides of the pitch before when the Dublin Rebels and the UCD would go head to head and they've worked together more recently on the UCD team and on the Irish Wolfhounds. But this Sunday, 3rd of July, as we've said, in the National Championships over in the Netherlands, the Tulip Bowl, they will meet once again at opposite sides of the pitch. So I caught up with them ahead of this fixture to see what the crack is. Andy and Michael, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today and you're very, very welcome. Thanks for having us. Yeah. <laughs> right, so um, I'll start with Michael. Michael, if you could just give us a run through your play in history, um, starting with AFI and then moving on to, to where you are today. Yeah, cool. So I got, I started, what, 2012, but I did the usual UCD route of um, leaving for summers. So I didn't really play that much for my first like three seasons. But uh, yeah, once once you get through that phase, I played for up until COVID, basically. Um, and then I had a couple of years for the Wolfhound squad and stuff like that as well, which is good. Kind of played all the usual. Started off as a corner, moved to free safety, down to strong safety, fluctuated my weight. Back at a corner now, though. So. And do you have yeah. a favorite? Probably corner, to be honest. But I, don't, <laughs> I like free safety for a few years. But I think corner is a bit more... Bit more of a one-on-one sport i like that yeah um, and then yeah then m- moved to the netherlands then in october 2021 and uh, joined the 010 trojans out here in uh, rotterdam brilliant and that's your playing corner for them now so happy yeah happy days they you found your way back to, to where you want yeah. to be and um they tried Andy. to make me a free safety at first but uh i, I went back to corner quickly. <laughs> yeah it's more of a bully a bully position a corner so it suits you if you manage to bully your way into it <laughs> so andy then will you talk us through um your history in afi and then uh where you are today as well okay so well i started playing i started playing flag football in like a dublin flag league in 1992 
when I was about 14. Wow. I kept playing flag and my brother joined the Dublin Tornadoes at that point. And when I was old enough to play senior football, I actually didn't. I just became a flaky student and, you know, dust around for ages. And eventually in 2001, I joined the Dublin Rebels and I played with them for 18 seasons, won nine bowls. And then 2019, I joined UCD as a coach. And that summer, the head coach retired. And then I got appointed head coach UCD again in 2019. We beat UL in the intervarsities, which is why I'm undefeated as head coach of UCD, because <laughs> shortly after, uh, I relocated to Amsterdam. I got a job over here working for Booking.com, which is an online travel agent. So I moved here in February 2020 literally the worst possible time you could move into the online travel industry <laughs> because <laughs> after we got here everything was shut down there was no it was no travel industry and everyone was working from home and everything so i was actually back then in dublin for a while but anyway when i when i got here i joined the amsterdam crusaders uh, in 2020 i i arrived my first training session was 5th of february game one of that year was two weeks later and 90% of the team had only started playing football in January of that year. Wow. For whatever reason, right, after they won the Tulip Bowl in 2019, nearly the entire team retired. Right, near, like, There's loads of guys who have been playing together for like 10 or 15 years and all at the same time. Once one guy retired, everyone else said, you know what, yeah, I'll call it like, all the coaches left, all the players left. Now, I didn't know this when I, I contacted them before I moved over, <laughs> saying, oh, yeah, you know, thinking maybe they'll get me as like an assistant QB coach or something. And they were like, yeah, you're offensive coordinator. But they didn't ask me, by the way. They just said, that's what I am. I like, okay, cool. Uh, seems like a lot of work, but okay, I'll make it, I'll make it work. And you're probably yeah, so, thinking that you're inheriting like a tulip bowl winning oh yeah yeah this is a great gig like yeah it was i mean it was surprising but also okay cool yeah oh see cool and it turned out like i mean there was some absolute ballers does that like that 10 percent of guys who were veterans were amazing but 90 percent complete rookies as in literally only played a few weeks and we went and we played what had been the worst team in the league in game one and they beat us. <laughs> I don't think they'd ever beaten the Crusaders before we lost. <laughs> Didn't score a single point off. It was an absolute disaster. You know, I was like, what have I gotten myself into? They must think we were great until this Irish guy came along. So anyway, so then COVID shut everything down. It's the same team now. Like, so the, the rookies are still going. And so, yeah, I've been with the Crusaders since then. And we finally got a season going. Uh, it's going well this year. And we also entered into the BNL which is this league that was actually set up by Crusaders and a few people from other Belgian and Netherlands teams, right? So Belgian yeah, and so Netherlands. What, what is, yeah, the, the BNL is this, it's Belgium Netherlands league. So tell us, tell us actually about that. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's an idea that cropped up sort of during COVID lockdown times. Um, and it's kind of in response to the, the Dutch league. Some teams in Dutch league want what they call the long season. Now, to me, this is a nightmare. It's like the season starts in September and runs until July. Mm -hmm. And the games are spaced out. So it's sort of one game a month. But, like, I need a few months off every year of just not football. And then all in, you know, for six, seven months. You know, because it's a lot of effort and concentration. It's not just the training. And we train on Wednesdays and Fridays. So every single Friday for a year is gone. And, like, if you make it the tutable, <laughs> season starts in September, you basically have to begin training for the next season straight away yeah. so i hate that and a lot of some of the teams uh, hate it i think the sort of uh smaller teams like it because they don't have to deal with so much player attrition and injuries you know if it, it's time for injury injured players to recover anyway 
so they got like uh, some of the top teams in the Netherlands, some of the top teams, not all of them, right? The Rotterdam are not in it at the moment. Uh, and like the Brussels Black Angels, who are a very good team from, from Belgium, they're not in it currently, but I think they will join next year. But still, so there's like uh, three or four top Dutch teams, three or four top Belgian teams, created our own league, um, where, where the games that we play each other in the Dutch league count towards the BNL, you know? So when we oh, play another right. Dutch team, yeah, yeah. So we didn't have additional fixtures, but we played a couple of Belgian teams, which was awesome because it just means the standard was was higher. You know, you had more quality games. When I say quality, I just mean when two teams are, are evenly matched. Yeah. Like yeah. If, if two of the lower teams play each other, it's probably better experience for both teams to have a close game, you know. Of so course. we just had more more of these. Like we, we played Limburg in April. They are the current Belgian champions. And we beat them, but it was an amazing game. It was an amazing experience. And we just beat them two weeks ago in the same team, Limburg, in the BNL Bowl, 38-26. That was an awesome game that, like, was really close, really explosive. There was big comebacks. There was, you know, it was tight. Um, but the other part of it is they want to package the BNL as a more entertaining league. So all the games are going to be live streamed. They're all in sort of stadiums. There's like cheerleaders and burger stands and beer and, you know, all the things that make the sort of the ancillary parts of a, of a live game experience instead of, you know, some of the games are very like in the Irish league, it's just 22 guys on the field, you know, <laughs> nobody watching. On a field, <laughs> you know? if you're lucky, if you're lucky. If, if you're lucky, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And nothing, so that happens in the Netherlands and sometimes you're at, you're at bigger venues, like, but the idea of the BNL is let's make every single game that, uh, live stream it, you know, kind of like UFL games like that. Yeah, and I think the live stream is so important because like that we're moving, you know, towards a point where like international players, you know, or players on any given team in Europe could be from anywhere in the world. It's like if you live stream that, I would say there'd be a fair amount of Irish people that are going to watch and follow like the crusaders and michael i think we were saying that your team in rotterdam there's rumors that you might be joining the bnl you're probably not in a position to comment on it but you know rumors and if if you do like that it'll be the same uh, yeah thing yeah i've heard whispers i'm i'm on the side i want more football no matter what so it sounds good to me but um yeah i've heard whispers well hopefully because i like that like it'd be something that i just know there'd be a fine crowd from ireland that want to be tuning in to see how you are getting on and speaking of getting on so the two of you are meeting in the tulip bowl on july 3rd it was something that i I was thinking this is very interesting because you know the two of you have met opposite sides of the pitch with andy with the rebels and michael yourself with uh, ucd and then the two of you've worked together both in ucd and then you've worked together in the wolf but it was something Michael that, that you said that actually it didn't matter where you met you were always working opposite with Andy's offense and you being on defense so this upcoming tulip bowl is going to be no difference no different at all actually <laughs> from, from that history I don't, I don't know if that helps or hurts me but yeah it's familiar territory <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah so the just to kind of go back and to start at the at the beginning almost again you know what was it that made either one of you or both of you want to go international or want to play for you was that you had a job that you were there but why when you're there did you decide you know after so long playing in Ireland and having all the headaches of playing in Ireland uh, along with the with the elation as well but why decide to pick it up abroad as well yeah, I mean, for me, honestly, I was 50-50 through COVID. I finally had some time to actually rehab injuries, which was uh, crucial. 
because I just was one of those tape it up, it'll be fine. Can't can't hurt what you can't move kind of players. <laughs> but uh, yeah, after COVID and I finally got healthy again, I figured I'd watch the harm. I'd just show up and see uh, what the local team looked like. Uh, who was I to know that they'd end up uh, getting as far as the Tulip Bowl? I also undersold. I just kind of rocked up to training without saying that I'd actually played or anything before either. I figured I'd just, yeah, go see, see what it was about. I didn't want to go in and toot my own horn and get blown out by a standard. I had no idea what it would be yet. Yeah, of course. And how did that first train and go? Oh, it was fine. I was actually, yeah, I was, I was, it was nothing I hadn't faced in UCD trainings or Wolfhound trainings regularly enough. It's definitely a good standard, I feel like, across the Netherlands, for sure. I feel like the quarterbacks maybe on average would probably be a bit better. But other than that, I feel like the Irish League and especially the teams that I was involved in would hold up. And what yeah. about you then, Andy? Same question. You know, I know that you ah. you didn't realize that you were going to inherit, you know, a team that was, what was it, like 90% rookies and 10% yeah. vets, you know. Uh, but what yeah. was it even before you knew that that kind of had you thinking like, yeah, you know what, football is something I'm going to pick up in, in Amsterdam when I get there. Yeah, I just, I mean, I'll, I'll always be involved in football. So there, there's no quest, like wherever I go, if there's a football team, I, I'm going to join it. I just, it's just, it's what I do. Do you know what I mean? It's like... Yeah. It's just part of what I do. So yeah. there was no uh, there's no doubt. I mean, I just I found <laughs> them. I knew the Crusaders, obviously, and I sent them an email. And and that was it. Like, there was no question I was going to get involved in football. And if they had knocked me back, I would have gone to one of the other teams. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. And, and that makes sense. Because like you said, you've been playing since 1992. And Andy, I, just to put that into context, that was the year I was born. Yeah, <laughs> 30 years ago. God. A, a year before me, if that helps as well. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, it's a good long time and it's definitely just ingrained into your DNA now. I think if ever there was a day that you weren't in football, you'd probably just fall apart, to be honest. It's like, who would you be yeah. or what would you do? Well, you know? I got to experience it during COVID. Like there was a lot of not like no football. And actually, it was enjoyable. I t- I thought I thought that I thought I'd be like at a loose end, but it was enjoyable. I was able to like I was like hanging out with my family on a Sunday for a change. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Kind of nice. all of a sudden, all of a sudden, all, of a sudden, all this free time. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're like I got to know my family. You know, what yeah, I mean? <laughs> kind of sound. Yeah, uh, but, you know, but but now it's back and it's cool. It's also awesome. I mean, at one point, I was thinking maybe maybe I won't go back to football because I do have all this free time which I'd never had before, but. Now, uh, you know, I'm all in again, but I'm also like the football fatigue is real now. It's like, I just can't wait to get the, excited about the Tudor Bowl and focused, but I just can't wait till it's over because then I can just stop, you know, because it's training and all of the prep work and watching footage and putting together game plans and training plans, uh, you know, and um, I'm going to get all my Tuesday and Thursday evenings back. We, we, yeah. we train on Wednesday and Friday. Like this is okay. Bit, like, just Friday. Why? Why not Monday and Wednesday? Like a night that doesn't matter. Monday, no one likes Mondays anyway. But for every Friday night, and it's fine. It's cool. It's an you know, it's an exciting and fun thing to do on Friday nights. But every single Friday night since September, basically, I've been at football training. Uh, I wouldn't mind having my Fridays back. Yeah, it's a lot. And you know what? That kind of naturally enough brings me to the next question, which is, what is the prep looking like for this upcoming Tulip Bowl? You know, do you prepare for? a bowl game as if it's just any other game or is the preparation higher for a game like this? Yeah, the preparation is higher for sure, just because the focus is higher and the stakes are higher, you know, like, so what does it look like? I'm actually reluctant to talk too much about it. I <laughs> thought, we thought we were going to crack them as well, you know. Like that, that <laughs> I had the notebook ready. 
what we yeah. could do is we could we could make it subscriber only as well like just this just put this part as like a, a soundbite that people have to pay for an AFI this is the Andy Dennehy method we have it you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no but look it's, it's more like we can't risk you know can't risk not uncovering something. No stone will be left unturned. You know, we'll just watch footage over and over again, discuss things as coaches as well as the training. And, you know, a lot of sort of sleepless nights and staying up late, pouring over things just in case of something that we haven't thought of. Wouldn't do that for the average league game. You know what I mean? And and also, like, to, to be honest, there's some games where pretty... Sh- and I don't mean to be disrespectful with this, but the Crusaders are a bit of a powerhouse. And there's some games where you know, okay, it's a really good chance we're going to win. And so the pressure is a bit lower. Rotterdam are genuinely a really good team. They're, they've got like the second best defense in the league af- after us in terms of points allowed and, and so on. Uh, they did well against us when we played them last time. And I believe last time we played them, uh, we, we beat them by a fair amount. I can't remember the score, but I know you were only like your QB five or something at that point so many quarterback injuries did, did, did any of them get better yeah we've had a an unlucky streak for injuries for quarterbacks we've uh we've we did play you guys with quarterback five that was his first attempt at it too we just had to convert one of our wide receivers and go you know what you can throw in training off you go um <laughs> i think we had yeah because we had a short week turnover that as well so we had like two trainings to get a quarterback ready for a game he had to start the second half of the game before that as well. Just like, okay, well, we have no other quarterback now. I'd but, say um, 50% of the quarterbacks at home will be listening to that resonating with it so much. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> but sorry, go on. But yeah, I mean, you know, without giving away too much, he's he's, he's coming into himself. I feel like oh, he has a good... Same guy, yeah? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Say uh, no. Or maybe, I don't know. There's also someone else who's coming back from maybe injury, but it's hard to tell. We've had an unlucky run with knees on this team. <laughs> or it could be elbows or it could be you know don't even tell him where <laughs> which knee <laughs> <laughs> which quarterback <laughs> I feel robbed I feel like I'm QB6 on the team so I feel like maybe there's a, a chance <laughs> yeah exactly Michael then what does your prep look like ahead of a game like this again without kind of give away too much there's a, a certain aspect of knowing your enemy as as I think normally during season, you prep what you want to do, regardless of the team. You don't want to change your defense, depending on who you're playing necessarily every week during the season. But when there's a game like this, you know, you can make some adjustments. You feel like you might have a, and then tape, lots of tape. Lots of tape. Yeah, tape is is fundamental, really. In terms of this upcoming game, and Andy, you kind of touched on it already, but, you know, how difficult are you expecting this battle in the Tulip? bowl to be so let's say from the crusaders point of view andy you know what do you know about the trojans what do you know about their defense and how difficult are you are you expecting this battle to be god i i feel like i, I can't answer this properly without giving things away so I'm, I'm, <laughs> no, what, what i know about the defense is they're 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 just a really solid defense they do some things that no one else in the netherlands do do and that's difficult you know like our own our Actually, our own defense is very different in structure to the Rotterdam defense. So what we face in training, you know, unless we're doing scout O and D, and we don't do scout O and D just randomly, you know, we, we only do it leading up to specific games. So if we're just going against our own defense, it's so structurally different 
that our players get familiar with that. And then when we come up against a team like Rotterdam, who do things very differently, it can be a problem because like there's defenders in a place where they, they're not normally, you know, they're not supposed to be there. In, you know, so the picture that our players are seeing is very different to what we'll get against Rotterdam. So that's that's one part of it. They're a hard-hitting, really good team. They're really fast. They're, they're obviously smart. Like in the last game we played them, uh, they got a pick six. We were throwing a bubble screen and they just... Uh, saw it coming a mile away and just, you know, the guy just picked it off and he was gone. This is the sort of thing that can happen. I think they're the highest scoring defense in the league. I'm not sure. If we. I think our defense has outscored our offense this season. <laughs> so, yeah. So this, they're just scoring all over the place and getting turnover. So it's, you know, and in a game like the Tulip Bowl, when there's two good teams, turnovers can be the thing that, that makes all the difference to the game. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> yeah. What we'll have to do after is almost do another episode after the game is played, and then we'll get all the insights. Then we'll get all oh, yeah. the <laughs> release everything. <laughs> over, I'll tell you everything. <laughs> Same question for you then, Michael. Like, you know, what do you know about, let's say, the the Crusaders? What type of uh, a game are you expecting, and you know, what type of battle are you expecting? I don't think there's a lot of offenses in Ireland or the Netherlands that can run kind of like Andy runs with the crew. So you know that he's going to make your run. Definitely one of those games of uh, make sure the hamstrings are nice and loose. <laughs> yeah, we've sort of run things more as a defense. So it's the big question for me will be how does our offense obviously do against their defense? Obviously, it's built the way it is. We've made some adjustments or whatever, but I think our defense can hold their own as long as maybe an offense can compete. It's hard when you try to have to win a game from defense. Yeah. So it'll be it'll come down to that for me. I think you yeah. know you know the crew will score eventually. You can't shut them out all game. Kind of like we'll do our job, lads. You do yours, type of thing. And, that's it, and that's yeah. that's that's especially for me playing corner. That's all I can do. Yeah, I can't try to win the game every play. <laughs> this is it. You know, a question that's maybe not related to the to the upcoming game because Andy, like as you said, you've been in I mean in football for thirty years, and you know you're kind of one of those people that anytime you know we think right, okay, Andy might be done now. You come up with something else to do. Like, do you know what I mean? It's either another bowl, or you know, it's Wolfhounds OC, or it's you know joining with the the UCD um, coaching staff, or then it's going international and joining Amsterdam. You think, oh, maybe we won't hear about him anymore. Do you know? And the next thing he's in a tulip bowl. Like, do you know what I mean? So you yeah. know what what. What are your kind of like your long-term goals in, in football or what, what else do you feel like you would want to achieve uh, it with football? Well, uh, on one hand, I, I, I'm just getting started as a non-playing coach. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I was playing up until the, my last, last game I played was the Wolfhounds game against the Barbarians in October 2018. And I injured myself after that playing indoor soccer and my knees (laughs) still don't work. Now, I think it was probably wear and tear or something that that that's the reason that they don't work. And that just was the straw that broke the camel's back. But still, so I've only just started not being a player. So I think I feel like I can go for another 20 years as a as a non-playing coach. Um, The Crusaders plans are like next year, BNL only plus um, friendly games against sort of teams around the level of maybe a low GFL one team and maybe Polish, Italian, like Finnish teams, this type of thing, which is what they used to do in the past. And then the year after, ELF. So that's, that's the What's sort of that? club ambitions. I've, I think I've already surpassed any ambition I might have had. You know, like I don't have an, I don't, have the ambition to join the ELF as a coach. I'm not even sure I'll be able to do it if the Crusaders get there. You know, it's like, will I even have time? 
I mean, like, yeah. I moved here for a job. I have a real job, like, you know, <laughs> and, and it, like there's a tipping point, but hopefully it, it'll be fine. Like, um, what actually, is, my, what the does thing, the, the ELF stand for? Is it, what, what is that? European League of Football. So oh, it's kind of NFL yeah. Europe kind of, you know, uh, it's, it, the idea is it's a level above all of the indigenous leagues, you know, so it's higher than GFL higher than and, and there's like there's franchises in Germany that have kind of been hoovering up the best players from the from nearby nearby uh, GFL teams yeah I see a few of the Barcelona teams and stuff doing like combines and inviting players to it and stuff like that around right? yeah so it's cool that there's this higher level and some there's a few uh, Crusaders players who uh, have gone to play ELF um, recently enough actually so that's cool but I think the only remaining actual ambition thing that I'd like to do is win a 10th Shamrock Bowl <laughs> like, not Everton is like I'm just I'm all good yeah. homecoming and yeah. we'll uh, we'll we'll put a pin in that one and we'll we'll circle back to to that um so building a bit of suspense there for anyone that's <laughs> listening because uh Michael you know same question for you what are your goals now in football given that you you're breaking onto the the international scene at the minute and doing doing very well with it obviously I think both your you both share one common goal, which is to win this this tulip bowl. But you know, more so after that, like what are what are you kind of thinking at the minute? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's just uh, I just want to be healthy. I actually actually missed the last four games for Rotterdam through another injury. So for me, it's healthy and just to actually get to play four seasons. I'm happy to keep playing as long as I can. That's about it. I'm happy with the rest of it. Yeah, well, please God, please God that <laughs> that one comes true for you. So, Andy, you had just mentioned there, and just to to loop back, then to you'd said a goal of yours is to win a tenth Shamrock Bowl. This was actually news to me. You know, I I knew that you were the offensive coordinator for the Irish Wolfhounds, but I didn't realize that you were still involved in AFI. So, enlighten us. You know, in what, in what way at the minute are you are you involved? Well, I'm yeah, I'm I'm still on the coaching staff for UCD. Yeah. So I'm, I'm actively coaching with UCD, helping as much as I can, you know, from abroad. But there's a lot we can do around game planning, you know, footage. Seen nearly all the games that have been played in AFI this year, which is useful. Like it's a double whammy. It doubles up and helps me with Wolfhounds, you know, just keeping an eye on players, you know, new guys that, that need to be on the radar and so on. So, yeah, I'm coaching with UCD. Brilliant. So it's funny because I actually had, you know, a question down like for the two E of all, who do you see winning the Shamrock Bowl this oh. year? But like, obviously do not now need to ask either of you that question. <laughs> <laughs> what is the impression of uh, AFI and the games that you are, that, that you're experiencing, let's say from abroad? Because Andy, obviously you're following it, Michael, I'm assuming that you're following it, seeing as your boys are are doing so well. I'm, I'm, I'm deep in the huddle playlists. Yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> You know, what's the impression that that you have of the of the season? You know, the UCD are playing admirals as we speak. Actually, are they not? Next week, edit so, that out. Totally. <laughs> the the recent like UCD Rebels game, which I think was just you know the game of the season, and it's one of those that had so much hype before it, and then I just feel like it lived up to that level of hype. And then obviously UCD came out the wrong side of the scoreline, but Personally, like I would feel very inspired by both teams actually after that game for when they would meet again. I think both teams are coming out of that game, you know, really feeling like either of them could win after it. And how 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 are you feeling about it? You know, what are your impressions from it? 
I think like the kind of games that Andy was talking about from the Belgian Dutch league, those are the sort of games that you learn the most from as well. Yeah. So I think that's the either side of that result. The you know the, there were two undefeated teams. Someone had to lose something in that. I think you learn loads, even more sometimes more from losing those close games than winning them. You know, you don't overlook anyone ever again. Then sometimes it's always good. You see it in the professional league. Sometimes a loss is a good thing. Yeah. 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 And it's uh, it just tells you the two teams are really really close, which is cool. You know, it sets up some tantalising playoff matches. I don't want to say Shamrock because they both have to get through their respective semi-finals. And you know, teams like the Admirals and whoever who uh, we don't know who's going to be three and four in in the playoffs at the moment could go to I think up to four teams. Although the Cowboys are losing right now as we speak, so I think that puts them out of contention. That puts so them a, out, yeah. And yeah. the Cowboy they would have been relying on a lot of other stuff. They weren't mathematically out, but it was yeah, yeah. looking quite unlikely. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of coming down to I think it, Panthers Trojans. Given that the Admirals are just let's say one game ahead of them at the minute, that they're the most likely to make it in the playoffs. So the final spot then is between those those two teams, and then obviously like the Trojans kind of appear to be doing this reemergence, and then the Panthers again like it's one of those that haven't they haven't clicked quite as well as what they were at the start of the season, but they do have kind of some star players coming back to health that. We, you know, yeah. we could see that kind of that comeback. So you just don't know. It's like that. You just don't know. It's still one that you're not entirely comfortable to to call that those final two, let's say, spots. But anyway, well, but I, I actually I think it comes down. It might come down to the Trojans Admirals game, which I think is their last game of the season. Because if the Trojans win that, they're in. But if they lose it, they're out. I think that's the way it works. And. The Trojans could. I might be. I might be skipping ahead some games that haven't happened yet. But in my head, I'm thinking, okay, the Trojans might go four and four if they lose to the Admirals. They might end up with the same record as the Panthers, but the Panthers have the head-to-head yeah. uh, points difference, right? But if the Trojans beat the Admirals, they would then go five and three. They win by record. Admirals yeah. have the head-to-head on the Panthers. I think. No, um, that's that. Anyway. That is it. And there, I think there's also a possibility that they could all finish on the one record. Joe was explaining this to me. There's something like that, and then it goes by a three-way head-to-head. If they all end up <laughs> four and four, the Trojans are out. I was looking at it uh, a few days ago. Yeah, but I can't remember. Anyway, if they all end four and four, Trojans are out. But the 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 question you were asking was. Well, I've lost my train of thought. I, I, I interrupted <laughs> and I lost my train of thought. <laughs> no, I was asking you kind of, you know, what the impression you, are, you have of, you know, AFI from afar, like, you know, UCD going up against the Rebels coming out to, let's say, the wrong side of the scoreline, but still having such a comeback, particularly, you know, in the second half to have gone down by so much, to have come back by so much and really to have only lost it in the last, you know, two minutes. Yeah. The, like what's the feeling that you're getting? What's kind of the impression of, of the league? The UCD would be coming up against the Admirals. Again, we're seeing like the Admirals that the UCD bet very well, but then the Admirals defense held them to 20 points. And now the Admirals offense is scoring again. And if the Admirals can score, let's say more than 20 points on what UCD score, then the Admirals will have the, the head-to-head over UCD in yeah. in that so I, I don't i mean i'll be honest i don't, I don't see that happen touch, touch wood and all but like also the admirals saying the admirals are scoring again they started against the two top teams in the league their first exactly. two games were the yeah. rebels so it's not like there was some not necessarily doesn't necessarily mean there was some defect that they fixed it's like they just 
the quality of opposition have varied. You know what I mean? So just because yeah. they scored in the past few games doesn't is not a predictor of what will happen when they replay UCD. But they have gotten better, I think. And I know they've got like uh, Jan Dasini back. He's he's really good, and they need you know that sort of weapon, maybe a bit of a spark. Their defense has always been extremely good and was was excellent this year. I saw them play uh, the Rebels and U- UCD actually, and they held both teams to twenty nil. And it was like twenty nil is maybe even a little bit flattering. You know, the, the defense really shut them down, and it was more to do with the offensive woes. Just you know, if if you can't score and can't move the ball on offense, eventually your opponent is going to get shorter fields and they'll get so many more chances to score that, you know, even though the defense played extremely well, I think the scoreline of 20 nil in both cases doesn't really represent how good that defense is. So the Admirals can, can genuinely, like they, as well as whatever happens in the next few weeks, they could also surprise whoever they play in the semifinals. I think so. Yeah, I think they're capable of that. Like they're a real dark horse in this in this picture, you know. And obviously, I don't think you were in any danger of it. But I also think it's good that you're not underestimating what the admirals are bringing this season, you know, because there is and there is they're always a contender every season. They're they're always pretty good up there. Got a lot of talent. Like they they won two Shamrock Bowls ago. They won it. Yeah, 2018. Yeah, in 2019. Uh, they had the best record in the league going into the semifinals, where, where you lost to the Panthers. Fair play to, to the Panthers, but like I think it's fair to say that was an underdog winning. You know the totally. expectation. So Cork were the overdog. <laughs> uh, Cork were the favourites in that. You know, so there's no reason to think just because they lost a couple of games this year, there's no reason to think that they've fallen off anything. Also, everyone's just coming back from a couple of years off football with COVID and everything. Maybe some people had injuries maybe some people had different hobbies that they were finishing up or something like that you know so everyone all the teams and we saw this in the, in the netherlands as well the teams kind of got restarted at different times but the schedule doesn't wait for them so i i think admirals are quality and all they have to do is just limp into the playoffs and then you know what they're playing for all the marbles and that's any given sunday yeah yeah absolutely and they have the the pedigree they've done it so Really, really, really don't sleep on the Admirals. Also, people were sleeping on the Trojans this year. You cannot sleep on the Trojans. Like, Never. What, like it's and, and, and this used to happen to me with the Rebels. By the way, we'd we'd come out and lose our first game or second game of the season. And That's it. It's over. It would be like, oh, the Rebels are not the same. Like, Dynasty's done. Whatever. And we <laughs> get to the end of the year, and we would have won the Shamrock Bowl. And there's just this like assumption that if you lose one or two games. That's a predictor of how the rest of your season is going to go. Like we're, you know, it's an amateur league. Stuff happens. Sometimes people aren't available and that can have a huge impact. Two or three guys being injured or not being there can change uh, how a team plays. Mm. Um, But you kind of have to look at, you know, what's the recent history overall of the team? What's their structure like? What's their general recruitment like? You know, this, like if there's a team with a small squad, they might be in danger of folding. But other than that, someone like the Trojans, they're so well established. Uh, and they've got a whole lot of veterans that they can just send the back, bat signal up and the veterans can come back, right? Which a lot of teams do. And I mean, the Rebels have done that as well before. You get halfway through the season and suddenly all these older guys come back and start shoring up gaps. And, we, and we've improve. actually said it. And we said half the fun of retiring out of AFI is that you get to come back and save the day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. And that is so true. It's funny even that you're saying this, you know, losing your first few games and then people think that that's going to be the indicator of the rest of your season or whatever. And then it's not. And you have teams like the Trojans 
and uh, and let's say the the rebels who are very comfortable coming back from a few games loss and it's literally that after the trojans i think won or lost their first three games you know i was checking in with a few of the players like well how are you feeling and there was one in particular stood out to me that just said look at trojans are going to trojan like you know so we're going to lose our first few games and then we're going to come back just so comfortable doing it not panicking about it at all you know on the flip side of that the history of let's say ucd is that you win all your first games and you look amazing and then towards the end of the season it starts to fall apart now i'm 100 confident that that's not happening this season because it didn't happen in 2019 which seemed to be kind of one of the first seasons that that almost didn't happen that kind of culture is gone at a ucd and why oh, was that yeah, why why did that change you know i don't know if it was 2018 2019 or when that changed but what was the what was the difference in UCD that you went from exactly that team that started strong and kind of trickled out towards the end to a team that's consistent from start to finish of the season? I'd say, yeah, I'd say, Michael, you're probably <laughs> in the best position to answer that one. Like I kind of alluded to earlier, I feel like you can learn a lot from your losses more than you necessarily learn from your wins. I think getting to the semi-final a few times, we started to create a consistency where, I've, I, you know, one of the seasons, I think it was 2018, we went 8-0 in the regular season. And we actually beat Cork for the last game of the regular season and then lost to them in the play, in the semis. I think it was 14-13. I think we went for two. But, oh. you know, we had a game that didn't go our way. Head coach got ejected in the first half and all that sort of stuff just derailed us um and i think you learn a lot from those where we probably learned how to manage maybe better if that sort of stuff happened again and not to panic a bit more maybe and then i mean i know the current team they've had a huge hit rate with uh, rookies i think the recruiting pushed really well rookies are starting all over the team now which is a fantastic thing for not just this current team but next season the season after you know, I think that stuff's really important. And it can be tough in, a, in the university sort of situation to recruit as well, because you get all the new students in September, but you're telling them, hey, come play football in February. Yeah. You know, so I think they've done a really good job. That's why the intervarsities is crucial, why Andy's undefeated as the head coach. You know, those, <laughs> those sort of early season wins for us are massive. I think the yeah. other reason, though, is, is probably there's now a core of veterans who are not in college, right? So they're not going yeah, yeah, to day yeah. ones or whatever, you know, there's, there's, there's enough people that even if some rookies or guys in, you know, in their first couple of years go away for the summer, uh, the team doesn't fall apart because there's, there's really, you know, good depth all the way up and down the roster. But if you go back 10 years or eight years, uh, these guys who are now 30 were just about 20. And of course, they're going away for the summer. That was happening. That's so exactly I think, what I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a right exactly. passage, yeah. as we were saying. It's, exactly. It's people like people like Sykes went past that phase and now they're kind of just part of the team. I think the same thing happened with UL. I'm not I don't know if UL were were, were losing uh, players in the summer, but they built up a core of veterans, you know, and it just it took a while. And once they hit that sweet spot where they had loads of veterans plus the new blood coming in. Uh, things started rocking. And I think that's where UCD kind of got to around 2018-19. And then COVID. I, I'm convinced COVID robbed UCD of at least one Shamrock ball. You know what, right? That is exactly what we were saying on the winners and the losers of COVID, right? And we had UCD down as a loser of COVID, which sounds like it's an insult, but it's not. Yeah. Because it's like UCD 
probably were going to do very, very well in 2020. Everything was there for them. Like that game that they lost against the Trojans. Was it, what was it, 14? It was either 14 oh, now yeah. or 12 now. Yeah, semis, like that. Semis, yeah. yeah. Do you know, like the thing is, is that not being funny, like, but the conditions favored the Trojans that day. Like, you know, it was at their home venue, the weather, like, eh, like it just seemed that any benefit that was by a grace of God was going towards the Trojans that day. And that's kind of seemed to be a wee bit of the difference. Um, any given Sunday. Any given Sunday. We also had Aaron Mooney uh, wasn't there because it was his kid's christening. And that was the only date that they could they could get. <laughs> so we knew this in advance, <laughs> but it was just like everything sort of stacked. No excuses, by the way. The Trojans beat us fair and square. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it, and, and that's it. And it just like it, it was, oh, it was, and it was a class game. Like it was unbelievable. Like nobody let off. I remember that game because I was reffing it. And there was definitely a few times that I stopped reffing to start watching the game. Like, well, which I can was, say I now can... that I'm not reffing. Like, <laughs> yeah, that game for me was a really, it was a really strange experience because I had always been in the huddles because I was a playing coach and quarterback. So I'd be in there and you can communicate with the players in the field in the huddle. UCD were running no huddle and I was on the sideline. But as well as that, the offensive line were playing both ways. Like the O-line for UCD, it's the D-line turned around facing the other way, right? <laughs> so as the game was going, there were some issues that I wanted to fix. I didn't get to speak to the O-line at all for like an entire half. They were just gone. I was like, whoa, this is... I wasn't prepared for that. And I had no options. I had no power to... Yeah. to I had no process set up to be able to communicate something to the line so and I'd never had that before even I mean I had done games as a coach not a player but you know you'd have a huddle on the sideline with a whiteboard and be able to draw some things but completely you know basically the game plan we had going into the game that was it and there was no chance for adjustments because of you were like uh, I'll, I'll see you at the end of the quarter lads like do you yeah know what I, mean? I, I don't think it's quite like that this year at UCD they have a lot more depth on the line that was another issue UCD traditionally had they just didn't have enough linemen they had a million slot receivers like really really good fast slot receivers but not that many big guys so when they got big guys they played both ways but now they've got really good depth actually you know like they, the they were able they to hit a four two five for defense because they've got so many db bills loads of dbs <laughs> yeah <laughs> the, and like, the DBs. i mean like they, they lost paddy sweeney right at the start of the season and he's he's an awesome player Plays yeah. both ways. He's a Wolfhound starting defensive lineman. And he's you know, just a, a lovely fella as well, isn't he? He's yeah. just a really yeah, nice lad. Player, but but the loss of someone like that would, you know, would normally have really affected the team. But there's enough depth in big guys that they can handle it and still be like like a super efficient team. Yeah. So that's a big difference as well. It's speaking of like efficiency as well. It's like even seeing their backfield where they like have actually like rookies there and the rookies are doing so well and it's actually like split because we're collecting stats at the minute but we're limited in what we can do because you know you can't like you can't do yardage you can't do you know how many snaps each player got or you know oh you you probably have it all i I have the whole season and he's got it all which team do you want yeah (laughs) so you know you have sean mcveigh there and you have like jack finnegan there and the two of them are like it's 50-50 on who's going to score on any, who's going to, you know, which one is going to have two touchdowns or both of them are going to have two touchdowns or, or whatever. Like, and I think like running back, it's so great to be able to, to do that because your running backs are getting so much wear and tear in every single game. Like, cause even if they're not getting the ball, they're getting hit on every single play. So, do you yeah. know, I think that 
that kind of depth of depth of roster is really standing to UCD this year, like hugely. Yeah. Like yeah, the line's good. definitely helping that. And obviously UCD have got a number of weapons on the outside they have to worry about. So I feel like if the line do their job and the running backs have a great uh, opportunity for them. Yeah. yeah. And then the weapons outside there made training a nightmare for years. Yeah, yeah. And you know, on, on the other side of it, then, you know, who who do you feel like UCD would want to meet least? Do you know in a knockout situation, who do, who do they want to meet least? Uh, honestly, like it, it's really hard to pick. Like the rebels, admirals, Trojans. I'd say they want to meet the Panthers most. And I don't mean that to be disrespectful from the Panther, you know. But but you're talking about the teams who won the last three Shamrock Bowls yeah. uh, are the are the alternatives, uh, and like I said earlier, you know when there's that sort of uh, consistency, um, then even if you have a bad spell, usually there's like veterans who can come back, or there's some sort of infrastructure or recruitment or player retention or something like that in place that just helps those teams be better. And when you get to playoff football, anything can happen. I I don't know if there is a team that you'd want over anyone else like you could say oh the trojans because they currently have the worst record but it's the trojans like yeah, all three of those teams have a all three of those teams have a game record yeah 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 exactly so i i don't know it's really hard to answer that question i feel like for vendetta reasons alone maybe they'd want the rebels just to win it over but yeah who knows i don't think any of those are a, a particularly easy matchup for anyone any sunday is there any team that you come up against that you could come up against that you'd be slightly worried about or is it one of those things that, you know, the opponent almost doesn't matter. You're going to play your game and, and that's it. Yeah, I think you got to play your game. You can't re-script everything for every week. But each of those teams has one or two, some some even three game records that you definitely have to account for and plan for. Like you can't go against the Trojans and not account for Siri for the game. Yeah. You know, I, I know UCD got it over them earlier on in the season, but I also know that Siri absolutely ran riot. That happened. So I think any of those teams present their own challenge that you have to prep for. Yeah. I wouldn't say UCD are worried about anybody. I think there's a healthy respect about, you know, towards yeah, any possible. Don't go into any game, no matter who you're playing, assuming you're going to win. So complacency doesn't seep in. Like UCD is hungry, you know, and the teams I mentioned. They have won the Chamber Bowl in the last few years. UCD hasn't. They are hungry. They haven't even appeared in the Chamber Bowl. So, you know, they're taking absolutely nothing for granted. They know what it is to think you, you know, you've got it in the bag and then lose in the playoffs. So, yeah, there's a, there's a healthy respect, but not a worry. Because if you've seen, like, I've been watching the, the footage. They look really good. Like, they're, they're a very well-drilled, very efficient team. So, uh, with a lot of weapons everywhere, there's no reason to be worried even though they've lost the game there to the Rebels, um, there was nothing to worry about, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. it, it was a tough game, and they knew that going into it. Um, a tight game that could have gone either way. They knew that too. Um, there's no reason to think that they can't win against anybody in the league. Yeah. I'd say the same is true for, for, for multiple, you know, like, take, for example, the Admirals. I think they should not be worried about anybody. They have the quality. They have, you know, really, really good defense, and now uh, hopefully an improved offense. We'll see how they get on uh, in, in the coming weeks. Um, they shouldn't be worried either. You know, I think the playoffs are shaping up to be really, uh, really nice this year. Yeah. Because um, it's really hard to know who's going to win. You know, like that, there have years when it's like, oh, that team is the best team. Or there's obviously these two teams, they're going to end up in the Shamrock Bowl. And you kind of know that from mid-season. Uh, I don't think that's the case this year. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, there's a lot of people kind of talking about the the last game, the UCD at Rebels has been a bit of a Shamrock Bowl preview. But it is at the same time, like like that, you start you start actually talking in depth about the Admirals, start talking in depth about the Trojans, even like Panthers. Do you know? Even though, like, obviously they're one of the teams that hasn't won uh, a Shamrock Bowl in the last while, but you still start talking in depth about it. You start to think, oh no, do you know? You just you it's, wouldn't feel too comfortable. Final, you get to do, yeah. They still made know? the final, so you know, there's there's a lot still to worry about them as well. Yeah, that that is the thing, and you know, the like that the the Panthers have caused an upset before and the other thing is it's like I do that Shamrock Bowl back in in 2019 was a lot closer than I think you know a lot of people give it credit for I do think that the Trojans had it under control pretty much the whole way through the game but there was a few calls that went against the Panthers you know when first off that that kickoff obviously if that kickoff hadn't hadn't happened you know but I mean that's that but it did happen better. Like, it did happen. <laughs> yeah. but it's that like wasn't maybe, a call going against them, them. <laughs> But in terms of actual cause going against them, I mean, like there was one flag thrown that was something like taunting on fourth fourth and out for, it was called against the Panthers, let's say. And it was because a DB had said, you know, not in my house, in the end zone to someone after he, he you know, a different ref, I can promise you, might not have thrown yeah. that flag, like touchdown. That's not a call yeah. going against them though. Like if they committed a taunting fell and they got fairly penalized is what you're saying. I've had calls go against me in, in big games and it sucks, but it's just part of football. But that one doesn't even sound like the guy should have just kept his mouth shut. That's well, I definitely don't agree with every flag thrown against me, but it's part of the game. It is, yeah. yeah true, 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 true. Okay. I'll, I'll not push that one so because it is, it's part, it is part of the sport. Is the Tulip Bowl being live streamed? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, and if it is... I think the way teams do it is they don't announce it until like an hour before the game okay. because it's a ticketed event. So they want to sell tickets and yeah. they're worried that this is what the guys in Limburg told me as well. They said, look, we don't send out the link until an hour before the game because we want people to come to the game, which makes sense. So I don't actually know, but if I find out, I'll, I'll give you a heads up. Yeah. <laughs> um, do. Otherwise keep an eye on the Amsterdam Crusaders page. They'll probably, it's a, it's a home game for us. Like it's, it's in, it's in their stadium. So, um, if anyone stream it, it'll probably be them. Yeah, yeah. Okay, brilliant. And yeah, so I suppose we'll we'll leave it there. Best of luck to the both. But what about predictions for the tulip bowl? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Andy, who are you predicting? And Mike, oh, I want to hear what likes has to say. Yeah, oh. <laughs> who are you, what are you predicting? <laughs> we we know. Um, what's the what's the points difference this year for the crew? Plus three hundred and thirty four points this season. We know that they're uh, going to be a tough matchup. I like our chances. I like our defense. How many picks do you have on on Andy's offense so far, and how how many do you think you're going to get? You know, oh, God, I have this? no idea, to be honest. I, th- I think zero. <laughs> I don't think I don't think I've ever thrown an interception to you, and and he has, wasn't there when we played the Crusaders, so yeah. this could be. <laughs> yeah, I missed, uh, the, I missed the first Crusaders game, so I'm glad I got a, another shot. It was good. You were just kind of, you know, you didn't want to reveal too much earlier in the season. You were thinking bowl back then. You're saying, no, no, I'll stay on the sidelines. I don't want them knowing what my form is this season. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, obviously I'm hoping to get a pick. I've had three picks in four games here, I think. So um, that's obviously something you're going to want as a corner. Yeah, but, uh, nothing nothing different to what you were doing in AFI either. You know, it was a pick <laughs> city back there. It always was. Oh, you got to look for it. Well, Andy, what are your predictions for the Tulip Bowl? Oh, uh, I don't like making predictions about big games like this. 
You were the so, one that asked. Like I know, <laughs> yeah. I was just seeing what he'd say. <laughs> no, I don't. I mean, look, I, I think we're we're the favourites, and I'm confident. But going into the game with all the respect that Rotterdam deserve, because they're a really good team, you know, and things can go south very easily. And like I said, we're we're ninety percent rookies, so you know, this is a new experience for a lot of people. Okay, we had it in the BN, in the BNL, but like it's still. On game day, when you're in a bowl, there's a lot of different things that don't normally happen in in a regular game, and people can get distracted. And if the pressure's on, if Rotterdam does a really good job and the pressure's on, there's a lot of rookies to manage their emotions there. You know, they haven't really been there before, so it, things can go south. But like I said, I'm I'm confident, but going into the game with a lot of respect for Rotterdam and taking nothing for granted. Yeah, so that's what I don't want to predict anything. At the end of the day, it's a ten and O team against an eight and two team, so you know, yeah, it's the final for a reason. Yeah, yeah. And hopefully, it's both will be talking to each other after as well, whatever way it goes. <laughs> you know, after. after yeah, <laughs> you know, maybe a week after. <laughs> then when we're on predictions, predictions for for the Shamrock Bowl, obviously, is are both predicting that UCD will appear. Who who are you predicting yeah. that will appear against them? I mean, yeah, I think it could be. At least two, possibly three teams uh, in there, but I probably have to guess the Rebels at the moment, just based on how things have, have looked in recent weeks and uh, throughout the season, maybe. But it could be, yeah, anyone. I think UCD's in there, and then one of three teams that we mentioned earlier could make it into that other spot. I think. Yeah, yeah same, same. I, I think the same. Prob- like UCD Rebels, probably. That's based on things on records and, and so on, and I mean they're definitely two very good teams. I think if the Admirals end up facing the Rebels in the semis, I think that's potentially a bogey game for the Rebels. Yeah. I think they match up. It's an interesting matchup. You know, I'm sure the Rebels will be chomping now that I said that. And if they end up playing the Admirals, but still, like that in the 20 0 game, it was nil all. Nil all halftime. Nil all even maybe going into the fourth quarter. You know, it, it was a really, really good defensive performance. And I think that's the sort of thing. Like Brendan Keller is there. He's the DC for the Wolfhounds. Really, really yeah. good coach. He's um, you know, you know, he can cook up a good game plan. You know, and if the Admirals' offense can get going, that one could go either way. But probably UCD Rebels. Yeah, perfect. Right. Well, we leave it there. So, guys, thank you so much. This has been brilliant. Really enjoyed this chat. And uh, geez, we'll surely get you on again. As I said, we might get you on post post bowl where we'll get the the Andy Dennehy method and all the insights that you didn't share on this one. <laughs> and the bonus episode. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Thanks so much, and and take care. Yeah. All right, cheers. So I'll see you Sunday, Andy. Yeah. See you then. Bye bye. <laughs> So that's it from us and from me today. I wanted to say a big thank you to Andy Dennehy, to Michael Sykes, to Alex Kosmerik and to Maddie O'Mara for being interviewed and being part of the creation of this episode. For anybody who's interested in tuning into the Tulip Bowl, I'm pretty sure that we'll have a link to share. And if we do, it's in the episode description for this episode. So tune into it there. That is it. If you enjoyed this episode, please do let us know. Let us know if you think we should do more of these special episodes episodes and if you have any idea for episodes or what you would like us to cover do let us know that as well okay guys i will leave it there all the very best and uh we'll chat to you later